On today's show, I was super lucky to chat to Iris International Showjumper and HSI coach Cormac Rafferty. Originally from Banbridge, Cormac produces top class horses and coaches from his base in Tuam County, Galway. Cormac has built up a solid reputation throughout the equine community. With experience of competing in eventing, showjumping and even racing, Cormac has spent time with Irish team vets from Suffern as well as travelling around the world training with top international showjumpers in Germany, Switzerland and America. Cormac has produced and competed on numerous horses that have represented Ireland at the World Breeding Championship for Young Horses in Lanarkin. He has several wins and placings at the HSI Young Sport Horse Series as well as competing in international classes up to three-star level. Cormac was just a wealth of knowledge to talk to and I really really enjoyed our conversation. We touched on how he prepared horses for the World Breeding Championship, the importance of having a mentor and also the importance of preparation and communicating with your riders. There were so many nuggets of knowledge and advice for coaches, riders and anybody in the equine industry and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. On today's show, I am so delighted to be joined by Irish International Showjumper and HSI Level 2 coach, Cormac Rafferty. Welcome to the show. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the interview. So, I've been so excited since uh, we got in contact uh, a couple of weeks ago to have you on the podcast. And yeah, I mean, I was just saying before we kind of got on recording, I, I hope I can do your wonderful CV um, justice. And you're based in Toom County, Galway, aren't you? Yeah, we're based in Toom here, yeah. Lovely. So I guess with um, everyone that I have on the podcast, I like to start at the start and kind of go through the journey of how you got to where you are today. So just take us to how you first got into horses. Um, well, I suppose I come from a family of um, um, kind of horse lovers, so I do. My grandfather got me started when I was very, very young. I was about the age of five. I think I remember sitting on a little um, cart pony that he had um, in a family farm up in Banbridge. And um, uh, yeah, kind of progressed from there, so it did. Um, we've, um, we got into ponies then. I started... Um, producing young horse ponies then from 12-2s, 13-2s, 14-2s up through the show jumping ranks then producing them um, and um, once I grew them then just selling them on then and moving into the horses then so I did and um, I knew from a very young age that I this is what I wanted to do, this was my career so it was nice so um, I think the very first pony um, that I started riding with a funny little story. It was a little driving pony and we got it off. It wasn't used to a rider at all in the field, so it wasn't. And uh, I was led off into the field and this horse had no steering or anything, so it hadn't. So um, uh, we went galloping around the field and no brakes, no steering. And we were heading for a big lump of, a big uh, mound of nettle, so we were. And um, the the horse had a notion of going for these lump, lump, lumps of, or this mound of nettles then. And uh, the notion of going to dump me straight into them so um i think i got a, a crash course on how to ride a, a pony then from there so that and i uh, <laughs> <laughs> i kind of i kind of got i uh, got the bug from that then so the the dumping into the nettles didn't stop me from from pony riding so it didn't so i knew from then from that very young early age that um i was had the determination to go on ahead and and uh, pursue the the horse career then or love that i love how uh the jumping into the nettles just like really made sure that uh, you were still going to go ahead with horses <laughs> and 
in terms of then how you got into like the show jumping when you talked about bringing ponies up from 12 to 13 to can you remember a distinct moment um I suppose in the show jumping that you loved it you know what was it about the show jumping that you loved the most um I think it was the the competition, I remember having my very first pony and it was, I had a really, really good 12-2 pony. And back then we were trying to do the grades, you had the A, B, C, D, and you had to get your 30 points before the end of March or whatever it was then to progress up through the ranks now. And this pony was really, really good. And I got my 30 points, um, got me until um, grade C, so it did um, at the start of the season. And I just wanted to, jumping my ABCs. That was my goal, just to jump ABCs and get into against the clock and, and jump this pony competitively against the clock. And from there, it just it snowballed from there. Um, just having a really, really good 12-2 uh, pony uh, give me that competitive edge, give me that hunger to go out and, and, and win. And then, um, I suppose, really producing this from, from a very young age because I never, ever had a really good grade A pony. So I had to make all of my own ponies. So you know, you had your two years as you grew out of your 12 twos into your 13 twos, your two years to produce them and, and move on and same with the 14 twos and then we'd sell them on and then uh, go into the horses then. So, that, so that's kind of how I got into it then and um, started um, kind of started producing. I really liked the, the, the production end of things so I did now from a very young age and it was predominantly all show jumping then from from um, the riding club they were in it was just all show jumping and, and a little bit of cross country and gym canis and stuff like that there so that's how I got my bug for for show jumping then yeah yeah you enjoyed the um the process to getting them from where they are when they're youngsters then to seeing them that you played a part in their journey to their success when you do sell them on then yeah, I like that. I like that you can, you know, you see the the progress, especially now that you've moved into the horses there and you have a nice four-year-old or three-year-old, buy them as a three-year-old and um, uh, produce them up through the ranks then, taking your time with them as a three-year-old, four-year-old um, and using, like I used kind of when we're producing our horses, I like to use the horse board class, especially if you've got a really nice um, horse to produce, using the horse board classes then to produce them up through the ranks then as a, uh, five-year-old, six, seven-year-old horses and then giving them the platform if they're really good to go on to the likes of Lanigan and things like that there onto the onto that um you know that that platform then and then you know producing them up and it's a great stepping stone just to go into if they're very very good to go into the the international arena then as well so it is so yeah um, and when you kind of you know, um, I kind of gotten into the horses then. I believe you went to Europe for a little while and then you went on to America. Yeah, well, I suppose when I, st I left school when I was 16, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I first got a job with Hugh Suffern. Um, he was, our, well, lucky for me, he was where our local vet so he was now and he was the Irish team vet at the time. I worked for him for two years. Um, I learned an awful lot through him um, on the stable management, um, how to care for the horses, looking after the horses. He had just bought Tully Rain, um Stud at the time, and he was developing that end of the business and working through the stud end of it. And to be honest with you, I hadn't got a clue what I wanted to really do when I left school. Um, there was so much variety with horses there, from show jumping to eventing to racing, so there was so... Um, through Hugh, actually, um, I got the opportunity then to work with uh, Vena Alfie and Vena Buller, 
um, over in Scarva Houster. Um, um, and from there, Hugh is related to, um, Hugh's wife is related to um, Alfie Butler, their brother and sister, and hence I got the invitation to get into Scarva House. From there, I started then working with um, Alfie and Vila, Vina, and they were um, obviously um, big into the event. And so they were, um, I think, at that stage, they were going to, they had been to the Olympics and stuff like that. They're at that stage in 96, they were going to Atlanta or something like that. There, so they were so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I got into the event and through um, Hugh and I we used to work my winters over in the in the um, eventing yard then producing young horses with Vena uh, and Alfie and um, Alison Maston actually is another one of my, um, how I got introduced to coaching. So she, she would have been one of my very first, first coaches then, so she would have um, okay. teaching me all the basics of flat work and things like that there and with the uh, help with Vina with her cross country and show jumping and things like that so that's where we kind of started and then um, I got itchy feet and then I kind of um, travelled into Europe I got the opportunity to go to Germany and Switzerland and we went with a few private yards over there um, that were producing um, young sport horses over there against the four, five and six year old horses then Traveling through Europe uh, was fantastic going from just a couple of different yards. So it was for over the, the period of a year and then moving into America. Um, I went over to Charlottesville in Virginia and I worked with um, Robin Sweeney over there. I spent a year over there with her and she um, it was fantastic because she had an American, Irish American yard. So she had, so she had um, Irish um, stallions and she brought them over to um, America then to crossbreed them with American thoroughbreds, which her father had a big love for. So we kind of, we were breeding them. She was breeding them. And then I was producing her as her four, three, four, five-year-old horses then. So that was my role then was to produce the young stock over there and then get the opportunity to go to um, the East Coast, traveling around the shows with them and then getting the opportunity to go down to Wellington, which was Nothing like it was today now, but going back maybe, um, I don't want to show my age, I'm 20 years, maybe more, plus <laughs> going back going back to Wellington back then, and it was just fantastic. It was a different, different world, so it was, but now it's it's um, it's amazing to see it now, so it is now. But yeah, that's kind of where um, I started. And then I came back from my travels in America. I came back in 2000 and couldn't come back at the worst time. Um, foot and mouth had struck, so we couldn't go to shows. Um, we couldn't transport horses, so the only place that had horses was um, racing yards. And I was lucky enough to get into yard um, with Jerry Cosgrave, was a neighbour of ours. I went to school with um, his son and his nephew, so I did, and um, they were kind of goading me about um, the racing. They didn't think I had the. I didn't think I had the, the, the guts to go racing, so I didn't. So I spent a year doing that then, and, and uh, uh, it was fantastic. I got my jockey's license, and within my yeah. first three spins, I had a first winner. So I stuck it up wow. to them, and I said, I, I retired early as a jockey then after that. Once I had a first winner, I was happy. <laughs> I had uh, achieved my goal there, so I had, so. That is sounds like an incredible, you know, I guess the amount of experience you must have gained over those few years and we had kind of spoke before we started recording and that 
how um invaluable I suppose working you know in in show jumping and then having your time in eventing and then having your time you know in Europe and in the USA and then having your time in racing would you feel that I suppose it's added value to your business and your coaching today having dabbled in different areas so you learn how different I suppose disciplines run and what each discipline looks for in different horses and stuff I suppose just for overall knowledge uh, yeah absolutely like it makes a rider out of you if you have that many different yards and horses and breeds and everything you're going to Europe and you're riding you know back then it was the old um Hanoverians are real strong powerful riders um, or horses um and they had a system their way and it was really strong um I had a real strong influence of the German riders when I was starting off and then um I developed my own style then so that I didn't want to be that dominant of the horse so it didn't so I developed as a rider then to be you know sympathetic with the horse and and you know kind of um you know really find your feet with them there's loads of different like there's loads of like people there are loads of different um personalities and temperaments and um there's the, the, the horses are they're there's not no two horses the same so it's not so they're not going to train yeah. them the same way do you know what I mean so you have a lot of diversity as a rider then you know you've got you know from the event and you've got your your dressage um your flat work um and it, yeah that's where your foundation starts then and then with your show jumping then um you know um you've got I think the show jumping really stood to me from a young age then so that I had a really good eye for a stride and that's what sort of fast tracked me with the event and stuff like that. I always kind of, um, I wouldn't say struggle with my dressage or flat work. I always finished on my dressage score. Uh, well, nine times out of 10, I would have finished on the dressage score, which uh, was pretty good. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, it was pretty good. So it was the finish on your dressage score. Um, I always had, you know, was quite confident going show jumping and then the cross country was just a blast to go around that. So it was so, um, Yes, I think a lot of I think I think um, uh, variety really is the spice of life. So it is like so when you're getting so many different horses, there are opportunities then, and and going from yard to yard, it's um, it's very important. To, I think anyway um, to get a broad spectrum of of um, different types of horses and types of training and different systems that other trainers and riders have. Then, do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, 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 no, I love that. And then um, <clears throat> in terms of then you competing as a rider, you know, you, I believe you've competed at the World Breeding Championship, which is in Lanarkin, and, you know, you've competed up to Grand Prix and stuff like that. So in terms of how you prep yourself and particularly the young horses for those big classes, I suppose, what do you look for in a young horse that has the quality and the potential to go and jump in those big classes? And yeah, I guess kind of advice for any rider that may be looking for aiming horses for those classes. You mentioned about how valuable those HSI age classes are. Um, but I guess in your eyes, with the amount of horses that you've sat on and you've produced, what do you think kind of makes a superstar, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, um, I think confirmation is the key. So it is if you've got a horse with with a good good confirmation that um, he's going to be well balanced, it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier than when it comes to training. Um, the horse has to be um, 
you know, it has to be uh, naturally well balanced, very straight, correct. You know, you know, if you're especially if you're trying to produce a horse that's going to go up to like the world championships or up to Grand Prix level, um, if you have something that's you know a little bit unbalanced or he's you know he's, he's a weakness there, it's going to throw up something further down the line, um, such as you know, um maybe splints or something like that there that would, you know, hinder him some way in his career that he might, you know, that he might break down or something like that there for you. But um, yeah, I'd like to have the horse that a really, really a real good confirmation and um, a nice stride, um, straight, correct um, way of going. So it would, and um, again, probably a good horse with a good brain on them then that is trainable then that makes, <laughs> makes your life a little bit easier then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, the, the trainability is such an, uh, an important aspect, you know, especially at that young age, you know, in terms of, I can imagine, you know, you know, you can fill us in in your experience of competing in Lanark and I imagine it's a big kind of, um, it's a big step up for them, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. But you're like you're you're producing them like I the horses that I had Atlantic and like I had them I had them um prepared as a four-year-old, I had them broken as three and I produced them nice and slowly. Um I think I had a horse um that I'd competed as a five-year-old, had done actually done a four-year-old um the RDS, had done a qualifier, done a couple of shows before the qualifiers. Um he done the qualifiers, he qualified first or second show. Um then he went to went to the RDS. That was a great um kind of platform for him so he gets that used to that environment then of the big show then and you know the horse was lovely the horse was very trainable very rideable she was um you know she was an Irish sport horse she was um very um very um smart and intelligent so she went every time she went out she learned something so she did um and then I had another horse that was um and also he was a, a totally different horse he was quite um um, a lot more blood in him so he had now he was like seven eight spread thoroughbred and he was um, sharp he was very very sharp and very spooky so he was so they needed um, he was very good when he got out there and he once he got into that atmosphere then um, he really excelled so he did as well um, but um, yeah you used kind of using them um, horse board classes there as stepping stones just to see where you are and see how good the horses are and as they progress up through the five-year-old and the six-year-old and then the seven-year-old and then into the seven eight seven and eight-year-old classes that they have now then um there are great shows that, that they're not you know they're on the way they're formatted is that they're more or less on every fortnight so this you're not jumping the legs off them from yeah. week in and week out now so if you have a good horse then you're just setting them up for them for them bigger shows then so you're preparing them for the for the um the two and three day shows that the the, the horseboard classes are at or the premier shows that the, they have around the countryside then yeah 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 and in terms of like your competition then what would be your proudest competition moment today be what kind of one moment you kind of stand out and that's kind of the first one that you're immediately thinking of could I suppose yeah the, the one that you're most proud of uh, well I think um, Mullingar International was probably um, one of the best shows that I had now it was the horse that I had Kemar Benzini that I produced up to the world championships 
um, levels of it. And I think it was maybe his, his probably first or second home international, so it was. And every time he goes out, this horse just goes out and he gets placed or he, he's either he's in the top six every time he goes out. I was looking back on his record there and he was top six, top six in all of his international classes. So he was, and he went out that weekend. He was placed in the... Two one forty classes qualified for the Grand Prix. Um, you're jumping one fifty, and it was the biggest track I've ever jumped, the most technical track I've ever jumped. It's probably the best round I ever ever rode. So, it was, <laughs> and I look I, I look back on that then, and I always look back on um the the, the really good rounds from a coaching point of view. Um, especially when you get into them them days that are you know the hard struggles to to to. You know what you're trying to figure out what it's all worth and what it's all about now. But you look back at that one and say that's the one that really um, stands out for me. Um, that he got into the grand final and he got into the top six again in the in the main arena. And it's no mean feat to jump around a 150 and uh, go against the clock with um, some of the top competitors like uh, in Ireland. So they are not in like we have top top Irish riders. So we have, but they're 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 riders that are competing at a global um, level. So if you're rubbing shoulders with the likes of them, then you're in good company. So that's um, that's something I always look back to as one of my one of the best is. And not only that, the cream of the the cream of the the, the, the icing on the cake was the horse actually won the leading Irish international of the show then. So um, I was delighted with that oh, as well. Yeah. So that is an incredible that's an incredible achievement. And, you know, I guess it's a nice question to ask because, you know, like it, it, the horses are, uh, it's, it's, it's a long, hard game. And, you know, it, it's nice to kind of have that moment that you almost remember your why, why you keep going and why you keep doing this to, to look back on that, that, that moment. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something like, as, like, as I said, everybody, anyone that I'm training, like, and they have, you know, confidence issues or anything like that there, I just said, well, just go back to where where it was really good, where you take them positive thoughts and you get that into that mindset. Like you were talking a little bit on some of your podcasts about mindset and, and, and things like that there. And, and, you know, I suppose I've got to think a little bit about it a little bit more from watching um, or listening to some of the, the, the podcasts. And um, yeah, I think if you go back and you, you know, you have something that you're really proud of and, it just gives you that little bit more um that gives you a little bit more drive then so it does then it just picks you back up again you can do it you know this is you know you just believe in yourself and you can once you put your mind to it you just get back up again and you know kick on and go about your what you're what you're what you're good at you know what i mean so yeah and keeping in team um with the mindset um have you ever had to um I suppose overcome any challenges um, with your mindset throughout your competition um, time. You know, I guess when you were speaking earlier about when you were coming up to the 12 twos to the 14 twos, you know, and going against clock and stuff, like how did you find yourself dealing with pressure? And even through the years of, you know, going to all of these places and working for all of these people how did you stay motivated I know there's kind of like a few questions there but I guess diving into the mindset thing you know dealing with pressure how to stay motivated did you ever burn out um it's an area I'm 
really fascinated in and I'd love to hear if you have anything that you'd like to add um yeah I suppose like um I suppose the last two years it gives you has given us a bit of reflection on on um how fast the pace of life is whenever you're in the the throws of competition life and coaching and you know you're on the go seven days a week so you are so um you know I, I was glad of a break for two years so was to be honest with you now but <laughs> um it gives you it gave me time to reflect on on all this kind of stuff that i that I, i'd achieved um and i suppose like we have i have had some dark days i have had my worst day was when I fell off in the main arena in the RDS. Um, I was jumping in the six and seven-year-old class and the horse um, uh, just mis misjudged something, so it did. And, uh, you know, I do the walk of shame out of the main arena and I picked myself up off the ground. I had a talk to myself and, like, you know, I kind of, you know, I talked to the people around me then, so I do, and I just sort of, like, um, disgusted and 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 seeing what what went wrong kind of thing, and then um, you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off. The following day, I went out and I was second, and I was runner up in the the six and seven year old class the, with a different horse. The, the following day, so that's the highs and lows of show jumping. But you know, um, I don't dwell on it too much. I don't think about it too much. So I don't I just um, you know. I get on about the business. I just get on. I just get up and 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 uh, carry on again. So I don't really. I don't dwell an, an, an awful lot on the um, misadventures. So I don't. I try and be try and be very positive myself and have a positive mindset um, to to do the job that you're doing. Do you know what I mean? I know there's a lot of pressure on young riders there with um, sponsors and owners and things like that there now, but um, you know, I just think all you can do is just do your best, and you can talk to people. There's, um, I, I love one of the interviews there was was with um, uh, Poppy Bramford. I think you done a, an interview with, and uh, you know, you know, there's people out there that can help you there. Do you know what I mean? I got a lot from listening to that podcast. I thought that was fantastic, just to listen to her point of view. So it did, and uh, um, you know, you just. You know, you just get up, dust yourself off and, and kick on and carry on. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it does, I think like, you know, showing the contrast that you had, you know, from your fall in the main arena and then going out the next day, you, it's literally you, you highlighted the highs and lows of horses. And I think it's just being able to, I suppose, reflect on what happened, I suppose, um, make note of how you can make it better, but also like that, not dwelling on it. It's a bit of a balance, isn't it? From not going too far into dwelling on it, that it affects your next ride, especially if you have yeah. a string of horses. Yeah, well, if you've got a string of horses, you know, you go back into the lorry and you just, you know, you dust yourself off and you get yourself into that good place again. Like for me, one of the things is I love music. So I just sit down and I can listen to a bit of it. Whenever I'm coming back on the lorry, I just put in the headphones and I just listen to some music and I just forget about what happened for the day. And then tomorrow's a new day and just, you know, I just pick up from, um, I just, like, tomorrow's a new day, so I just, um, you know, just start from scratch again, and hopefully it gets a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned the, about um, 
young riders, I suppose, feeling the pressure now with um, sponsors and owners and stuff. And I suppose it's one of the th- questions I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for young riders um, in terms of like how to attract owners or how to attract sponsors. I know social media is quite a large portion of that now, I suppose, in comparison to how it used to be. Um, but I suppose what advice would you have for anybody um, in relation to feeling the pressure to get owners, to get the stringer horses or even get the sponsors to help make them go further, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, I think if just be as professional as you can. Um, you know, with all your posts and stuff that you put up on social media, you know, you want to um, kind of shine a bright light on on all the positives and all the good things that you're doing then, you know what I mean? So um, just be aware of all the um, the things that you're posting on social media and things like that there and have, you know, be very professional about it. Um, and, you know, I suppose, I think it's very, it's very difficult, like, you know what I mean? You've, I'm not really big into the social media kind of things there now and advertising stuff like that there, but, um, if you're if you're presentable and um, you put yourself off put yourself off as being professional in what you're doing and um, you know willing willing to learn and put yourself out there um, well you know I use it kind of as a platform for advertisement and, and, and stuff like that there for for most the my stuff stuff is kind of like training and things like that there and, and horse sales but anything that you're putting up on social media that it's you know it's it, it you know it's really um, very professional looking so there's like even even down if somebody comes to my yard like they you know it's a small private little yard there's 10 stables in it it's clean it's tidy it's um well presented it's stables are painted the little details then when you bring an owner to the yard then that you have a you know a nice setup you care about um your uh what's the word um your uh, presentation then so you don't of your how you're going to uh, present yourself to a new owner and it comes through it's even from even from the basics of the yard itself how clean and tidy it is to the how the horses are well looked after and cared for then to the the arena that you have to the jumps that you have in the arena everything's nice and colorful and painted it doesn't cost a fortune just to get a bit of paint and paint a pole and have everything looking yeah. very presentable so it doesn't so you know them little touches um mean an awful lot that you are really that you care about your job and you're professional and what you're doing um so that it's the little um attention to detail i think that's really the writers want to be um focusing on so it is actually with your um with what you said about attention to detail um you know the small things add up to the bigger picture and it's actually something that uh, Kate Derwin had said in her podcast you know that how must they pay attention to the details and it adds up to the bigger picture and with what you're saying about uh, riders um, presenting obviously themselves very well but also their facilities very well I think for riders to think of it as would you like your where would you like to send your horse you know, if, if if a rider wanted to send their horse somewhere, where would they like to send their horse and why? Yeah. You know, I can imagine the reasons would be because the yard is clean, because the arena is held or whatever it may be. I So I think it's kind of advice for riders to be, have your yard, 
be like where you would like to send your horse to if that makes sense i hope that kind of makes sense because yeah, then you yeah. shine a bit of a light on it then as to where they would send a horse versus where they wouldn't send a horse did that make sense yeah 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 if you look professional then the horses are going to be turned out professionally and they're going to be trained professionally then so it's a good basis to start from then mm -hmm. so it is so and you touched a bit on um coaching so in terms of what you like the most about coaching, um, how did you get into it? And I suppose, what do you enjoy the most about coaching? Well, um, I love coaching. I have a passion for coaching, so I have. So, um, you know, well, I've travelled the world, so I have, and, and been with a lot of yards and a lot of um, coaches and trainers and stuff like that there. So, you know, I started out when I was riding 12-2s, 13-2s. My very first coach was Eric Pelly. Um, and he was a French instructor and he had his own way of going and stuff like that there. Um, and that kind of got me started so I did within it. Then I got into, as I said, I went over to Vina Butler's yard. Vina and Alfie did a fantastic uh, flat work coach there, Alison Mercer. And she taught me a lot about training the young horses from the very um, foundation steps of getting them going and... and um, Producing the horse properly from the very start, then with the flat work. Um, from there, I actually went to Lars Kellett um, for three or four months. So I did the pleasure of working for her now, and she was fantastic. Um, she was great now in the fact that we'd done a lot of from, from flat work to show jumping to cross country to hunting, everything we'd done. That's why I kind of, when I was growing when I was um, training and, and, and in my younger years, then getting all the broad spectrum of of um, different disciplines was so beneficial to me that I could sit on anything and try and get a tune out of it then so it could you know what I mean so um, you know she was she was instrumental in some of the training that I'd done um, another um, actually mentor of mine would have been Izzy and Fear and he had been um, he's he was very good to me now I was as I was going through the HSI um, program then if I had a problem He'd have been the first man to call, um, and uh, we have a lot. You know, we he's he we have a lot in common. We were you know we're both Banbridge men, so we are now. And uh, he was very approachable, and that's what I liked a lot about the coaching. Then if I could emulate someone like that, um, and be someone like as well, I'd love to be as if I'm half as good as him. I'd be doing all right. But that's where I would like to see myself in 10 years time then is to follow in his footsteps or someone like that there do you know what I mean so yeah. um yeah so that's what coaching means to me then is you got your, your you know you have a good foundation you have a broad spectrum of different um trainers and um Ian found from Banbridge as well I think yeah we had actually went to the same schools so with a lot in common so we had so um you know um like he he kind of took me under my wing. He would have done a lot of the training with me, um, with probably a little bit in preparation for the um, European Championships and stuff like that, or the Breeders' Championships then and then. Um, you know, producing the horses up through the ranks. It's always good to have somebody else, a, 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 you know, another trainer or mentor on, on the ground then and somebody you could, you know, come in and out of like it's not it's it's very I know it's very expensive for um riders and owners now to go and 
do a lot of training, so it is. But if you can find a good trainer that's close to you, then, um, you know, it's it's invaluable to try and find a good trainer then to go and coach, get them to train you and coach you and help you along, along your journey then, so it is. So um, I was lucky enough to, to find Ian then that would help me out on whatever whatever I had a problem with. Um, he would have been the go-to man to call and, and get some advice from then, do you know what I mean? So... Um, what what I love about that is, you know, as a coach yourself, that you have um, a coach to look up to and a coach that you can call as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, we spoke before we recorded, you know, as, as coaches, not everybody is going to learn something from us. But I love how, well, I suppose, learn everything. Not everybody knows everything. And it's good to be able to bounce ideas off of different coaches and kind of collaborate a little bit. Um, especially, you know, like horses are, are can be an isolating sport. And I think it's so lovely that you have that coach, that your mentor that you look up to and that also helps you as well, because we all kind of get stuck in ruts at times and, and you know, need a bit of help. So I love that when I asked you about coaching, you, you, you spoke about somebody that you look up to the most. And I guess it's important for younger people, whether they're riders or grooms or coaches or whatever it may be, that they have that coach or mentor or somebody that they look up to that they can call whenever they need help, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, it's very important to have somebody there that you can call and, and bounce an idea off or um, if you come stuck as, as, a, as a coach then that they can, you know, shine a light on it then. So, that, so yeah, like... Um, I'd recently I'd done a, a, a masterclass there producing young horses. So I did and I had a um I had an idea at the start of the year and I just thought with the whole COVID thing, I says I'm fed up of um I know it's great online and everything like that there now and watching all these videos and I said, Well, you know what, I can do that. Uh, and I can do it live and I'm was fortunate enough to have um, and I was four-year-old and a five-year-old and a six-year-old. And I says, Well, I'm gonna put a little a program together here now and uh, um, I'm gonna do a live demonstration on how we produce these young horses. So the first person I called was Ian and he says, yeah, go for it. Didn't even think twice about it, just go for it, just do it. So um, like that, if you're going, if, if you're, if you're, if you're passionate about something, you believe in it, just go and do it. Just don't just sit there and procrastinate or go and do it and give it a lash. And if, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, um, in terms of then the masterclass, um, I unfortunately um, couldn't attend, which I really, really wanted to go because I, I understand what you mean about everything being online. And of course, like social media and online is absolutely fantastic, but nothing beats meeting people in person and seeing all these things in the flesh. And and I, I, I know that I, I heard so much positive feedback from that masterclass. So I hope there will be more in the future. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. We'll um, well, I look forward to doing something like that. There it was for me, like it was, I pushed myself I was out of my comfort zone. So it was, but you know, <clears throat> that's what you have to do. Like you have to put yourself out there and just believe in what you're doing. And if you don't try it, um, you know, you'll never know. So my philosophy is just go out, give it a go, give it a lash. And um, if it works, it works. And it was fantastic. I was surprised at the number of people that came to the masterclass. I was thinking, oh, God, if I get 20 people, I'd be happy out. But we had over 60, 70 people in it. So I had now. So it was fantastic. Yeah. And it was, you know, really designed for the Pony Club. It was for 
everybody there that had a horse that um, wanted to produce a horse and how we went about it and stuff like that there. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was nice. It was great to see. It was actually a couple of the um, riders that have coached and um, they were riding a nice four year old and uh, a lovely five year old that had sold um, a lovely young rider there last year. And just to see the progression from the four year old to the five year old. Um, and then I rode a, a, a six year old myself then um, and just see the development um, through the stages um, as a four-year-old and five-year-old and then working just touching on the the um, training methods that I used I would be you know I used the, the training scale myself then and we're kind of the whole basics of it was introducing that to the people and working from that so it was then and seeing the different um, elements uh, working through the ages of the horses then and uh, um, yeah, it was a fantastic night. We're also joined by Sue Elliott on the night, and she was um, she's uh, she is a an equine physiotherapist and with over twenty years experience. And she wasn't was fantastic. Now she spent maybe thirty minutes as I took a little interview or a little break and setting up the courses. She went through the um, the horse um, on their way of going and and different points of the horse and different. Um, elements of the horses there that they would she'd be working on and, and trying to um you know um points of points that she was what she would what what she had um improved in the horses then and, and well that's somebody that would be you would be part of my team anyway that um she would come in and as a young horse um help correct them then and, and with their um muscle and stuff like that there that they they are you know they're being worked properly and worked through themselves then. And uh, yeah, I'd have her and my team then just to keep an eye on the horses then from a um, kind of a physical point of view then. So, would, so you know, it's, it's great to have um, bringing in other kind of um, people from the industry then, do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of, you know, I'd be quite open-minded now. I'd have, I would work with, you know, work with other coaches there. I, um work with physios i work with um you know saddlers and uh, uh, dentists and stuff like that there so they're all a part of my team and whoever i is on my team i can try and try and bring them in to get involved into whatever i'm doing then so that's something that maybe in the future as you're talking about doing another master class it's something that um that i'd be looking to to to, to do develop a, a little bit as well then that we can bring some of these um equine professionals together then and incorporate that into you know some of, some of our training and things like that there do you know what i mean so yeah I, yeah the, and actually yeah, that was something that i had wanted to mention that i really liked that you know of course there was the riding element of it but yeah like we have every rider um you know has an important um team behind them you know like like the physios like the dentists like the fires you know they all play an important role and i really liked how you got susan um, involved in it but one of the things I wanted to touch on um, was how you mentioned that you got out of your comfort zone and I think for you as a coach it's so valuable that your um, students or clients see you getting out of your comfort zone which will encourage them to get out of their comfort zone as well I suppose you're leading by example as well yeah, well, that only lasted for about five minutes. So once I got started talking <laughs> as a coach, you know, <laughs> you know, I knew I knew what a, what the plan was. And that's so important. Then whenever you're going coaching that you have a plan, I was working towards the plan and working off the plan. 
and uh, I yeah. knew the I knew my writers and uh, yeah it's, it's things that got there like um talking in front of 60 70 80 people I haven't done that since I got um since it was since since I got married so I haven't so so um it was good like it's something that I want to do it's something I want to push myself in that I want to you know um maybe in 10 years 10 years time is to be fit to go out and uh you know, um, produce riders up onto the European level or do high performance coaching and things like that there. So that's, they're, they're things that, that are preparing me doing a masterclass like that. It's a stepping stone for me to put myself out there and um, have the, um, getting the, 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 what's the word, um, getting the knowledge and feedback from doing something like that there, do you know what I mean? So it's not unless you, until you try something, then, you know, um, it's not until you get out there and try something then that you know what, you've experienced it then, and then you've had the experience, and then the next time you do it, it's going to be better, do you know what I mean? So there's always going to be, for me, there's always going to be a next time. It's not, oh, that was that was a disaster. I'm going to start, I'm not going to do that anymore. So, you know, you always make it better. It's like whenever you get from one coaching session to the next um you know you always you always try and improve and get better and better and that's one thing with going back to the coaching then is um watching a rider um on a journey with a young four-year-old and seeing them going up as a five-year-old and a six-year-old and um watching them light bulb moments whenever they actually get it and they understand what you're trying yeah. to teach them. I love that whenever the the light goes off and they go, yeah, and they just relax and then everything starts to fall into place for them and then they understand and then they go on and they progress on to the next one and then um, everything um, falls into place for them then. So going back to probably, a, a, you know, from, from, you know, if you want to talk about coaching and tips for coaches and stuff like that during the, in the, um, for young coaches coming up then is you know i've got a little bit of experience there and i so have so just learn from your mistakes don't be afraid to make the mistakes and learn from them and then improve um so for the up-and-coming coaches then would be preparation have a plan have a plan for your session um you know if you have to go out if there's a new if it's a new rider new um athlete that's coming to you you know make it simple Go out and have a little plan, and um, get to know the rider, see what their prop, um, what the, where their faults are, and talk to them. The best way that to, to get the information is talk to the riders and see what they're looking for. Then so they are, and then take it from there, and then um, have a plan. Then when you come back the next time, then you'd have a plan. Be better, be prepared. You'd be well prepared then for the next um, training session that you have for them. Another little tip that I'm going to have to give you now is don't overload. I was a devil for overloading. I would give them um, too much information. I would be teaching them to start and let's say if doing some lateral work. I'd have them doing turn around the forehand. I'd have them doing a leg yielding. I'd have them doing nearly a shoulder in all in one session. <laughs> no, really, really simple. Just, you know, keep it really simple and build on a real good foundation and that's what and if you know for me is um that's why i use the training skill because you have the foundation there with your rhythm relaxation contact straight and spring and collection and work off that there have it as a basis you know work off that basis then that you have a system that you can work off then and then develop 
the horse and rider as you work through the system then and you know um just take it take their take take your time with them and don't rush them then so to, and be be patient with them as well then whenever you're whenever you're coaching somebody then so um that's my advice then is just be well prepared and have your you know session planners if you're doing session planners um have them in advance and work off them then and um communication um communicating with your rider is the biggest thing because they're going to give you everything so they are they're going to tell you basically what they need and what they're looking for whenever they're um training with you then so um that's yeah. my advice then and and don't be afraid like i've done a lot of coaching i've done a lot of shadowing i've watched a lot of coaches i've watched you know um i remember you um on a um a podcast then with some of your um um previous interviewees here now um watching uh ingrid kirkham they're doing um the videos there and stuff like that there and, and watching over them there with wee horse and things like that they're watching getting as much information from um different trainers and coaches and um educating yourself then on all aspects of of riding then whether it's um dressage flat work show jump and cross country um and like that just have a broad spectrum of of knowledge then um going forth because you don't know who you could be training or what you'd be training we do there's a lot of disciplines within it and i do a lot of them then i do the flat work i'm as good a flat work coach as i am a show jumping coach and i can dabble a little bit of the event and cross country swim so um don't be afraid to go and um for me anyway i went and shadowed a lot of good coaches uh, within ireland so i did and i thought it was fantastic so i did to um just watch them people, like i think i think coaches you know like more experienced older coaches are more than happy to help younger coaches you know allow them to to, to shadow and i think um you know one of the things i love is watching coaches at competitions how they coach riders in the warm-up like of course you know it's lovely to see them in the rain but one of the most valuable places i think for young coaches or riders or whatever it may be to be is watching how riders work horses in at shows in the warm-up then you can see how the coaches work with the rider and you can actually pick up a lot from being on the ground can't you you don't necessarily have to be on the horse being coached you, you can pick up a lot just by standing and listening to other people's way of doing things yeah 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 like that's um one of my when when one of my favorite pastimes is just standing i remember every time i go to the rds i, I rarely watch the, what's on the main arena um thank god they have a big screen now that you can see it because i'm standing at the warm-up <laughs> arena watching the, the coaches watching the riders coming in um and warming the horses up so i do so and you know um you have to get up early actually to watch them because they actually are at night eight or seven or eight o'clock in the morning doing their flat work beforehand uh, and watching what they're doing in preparation for the big Grand Prix or the big shows and then um, watching them in the warm-up then before the classes then as well. So, yeah, um, that's, you know, that's the biggest part of being a coach is, you know, keeping your eyes open, keeping your eyes peeled and um, watching it. It's just watching the, 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 
the, the minor details that the coaches tell them to do and it might be very something very simple but um it's very effective whenever they whenever they um are in the in the throes of a competition then or warm up for the competition so they are so yeah yeah no i i love that like keeping keeping it simple and bringing it back to basics is just so so important and in terms then of long-term and short-term goals then for Cormac Rafferty sport horses what kind of in the pipeline in like the five-year plan or the 10-year plan for you oh lord um well <laughs> um well, I try, I try and I'm trying to keep a small yard here the, um, in Milltown here going. So, um, so we have 10 stables here and I'm going to just keep producing young horses, banning young three-year-olds, producing them up four, five and selling them on. Um, if I get a real nice horse, yes, I'll produce it on up the levels up till the Grand Prix level. I have a young family at the minute now. My youngest is, or sorry, my eldest is eight and Orin is eight, Anna's uh, five, and Kuhn is six months. So I love my hands filled trying to help them um, get into ponies and producing them so I'm so I'm gonna have a lot of fun in the future with them so I am. Um, and listen, I'm very, very busy with the with the the whole COVID lockdown there. I actually had to change my um, kind of perspective on coaching because everything dried up and I started a new job. I started doing a little bit of um, a joinery and I have um, a little business, Mini Kids Jumps Ireland, and I make little jumps for kiddies. So that's flying it. Um, I'm very busy at, uh, over the winter time doing that. So I am. Um, so I'd like to grow that little business. Um, producing the young horses at home um, in the mornings then and then in the afternoons I do three three two or three nights a week or two or three days uh coaching i have uh, clinics up in markery castle and i have a clinic uh markery's on a wednesday and balance those showgrounds on a thursday so i have a great little pool of riders and i cover the whole of um connect um training riders and producing riders and um hopefully from there i'd love to try and produce some young riders up to European standards and then um, myself try and get into develop my coaching and get into high performance coaching and um, work on, you know, work on improving myself, maybe try and get the level three coaching, um, maybe do some tutoring, something like that there and just progress as, as a coach and, and get better at what I'm doing, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love, I love that you ha you have goals for like every area um of your life and the absolute um best of luck with it. Um, and before we finish up, I have a few quick fire questions uh, that I want to ask you. Um, Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> and the first one is, what does success mean to you? Um, success meant to me yes. the freedom to do what I what what I like doing. So it is um, the success of being you know um, self-employed, um, you know being a good coach, um, uh, fulfilling dreams of um, clients of mine that um, that I'm that I'm training and coaching. Then that's 
you know, that's success for me, so it is then. Um, and helping helping people achieve their dreams and goals, so it is. So I find that, uh, from a coaching point of view, that's... Um, Your favourite horse that you would most like to sit on? So any horse in the world that you would most like to sit on? Oh. Um, I'd love what he called um, Ben Maher's horse, Explosion. Explosion accident, yeah. Yeah, he came up before actually, yeah. Yeah. He'd be class. And final question is a word or a sentence to describe what the most important attribute to being a successful rider and or coach in your eyes? Um, preparation. Love that. Yeah. So Love that. Um, preparation is key, you know, um, if you don't prepare, you know, what's the old, what's the old additive? Um, prepare to fail, or fail yeah, to prepare, prepare to fail. fail. Yeah. That's the yeah. one, yes. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think preparation is key. Love that, love that. And for anybody that would like to get in contact with you, um, where can they find you either for um, lessons or... You know, just again, general advice um, in relation to anything um, that we talked about in this podcast. I really, really enjoyed um, chatting to you in terms of your philosophy. And I think there's so many nuggets of knowledge for um, people to go away with. So I can't thank you enough for your time. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you um, in relation to anything we discussed, where can they find you? Well, I'd like to take the opportunity. I said thanks very much for having me on your podcast, and uh, it's been a breath of fresh air. I've absolutely, I've delved into all of the podcasts, and I think that it's um, fantastic what you're doing. Um, and it's something that was sorely missed because I've been searching and searching for little podcasts and things like this here, and it's like a breath of fresh air what you're doing. So well done. Um, how to find me? Um, I'm not shy. <clears throat> So you'll find me on all the social medias. You'll find me on Instagram, um, Facebook, Cormographity, uh, Cormographity Sport Horses, or we go down to our website and you can go through uh, everything that we do um, on CormographySportHorses.com and you can find out about all my coaching clinics. You can find out about our kids' mini jumps, our training horses for sale everything's up there and uh, feel free to give me a call or text or um whatsapp me whatever you want to do um you can find all my details up there and i'd be happy to talk to you and help you on your journey if you're going if you need a coach or um whatever your whatever your goals are i'm here to help oh i love that and thank you so much for your kind words and hopefully Hopefully we will have a, another math class in the future because I know that the previous one was went down so well. So the absolute best luck in all your endeavours and thank you so much. Thank you very much, Joanne. Thank you.